Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Two thousand and twenty one presents all of us challenges unique to our time, but especially for those of us navigating a decade of massive changes, our twenties. Two thousand and twenty one has brought about real struggles and real pains. A record number of twenty somethings are living back at home, struggling to quote unquote adult and battling record levels of anxiety and depression. But great hope arrives on the scene today from one of our absolute favorites. Mr. Paul Angoni is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and organizational consultant. His brand newest is 25 Lies 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck, and Own Your Defining Decade. And Paul makes his fourth appearance on the road today. My friend, welcome back. How's it going today, sir? Oh, it's wonderful. I'm getting a chance to talk to you. It couldn't be better. This is, I think, our fourth time, Ryan. So this is uh, breaking some records here, maybe. I know, man. I know. And the scary part about it is, like we were saying, uh, it's been so much fun to follow you on social media that it doesn't even feel like it's possible that it's been three years since we've talked. But have you become even wiser in the past three years, my friend? Um, I'll let you be the judge of that as we go. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. That's the perfect response. So you set the scene saying a record number of 20-somethings are living back at home and struggling to quote-unquote adult. What do you see, first of all, Paul, as some of the factors driving that, and why does it motivate you to offer this message? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is economic factors. You know, you can look at the data and say, hey, well, it's harder to get a job, it's harder to get a career, especially as a global pandemic is going on or a great recession or, or whatever 20-somethings are entering into, especially when it's a difficult season. Well, gosh, that, that's a hard reality to enter into for anybody, let alone when you're just starting out and, you, and you're trying to get your feet under you and you have a bachelor's degree that maybe doesn't mean as much nowadays. It's kind of like getting your high school diploma and now you got to go get your master's degree, your MBA, and, and you don't have a job and you have $50,000 in debt from your bachelor's, yeah. but now you're going to add on another 50000 with your MBA and you're going to be 24, 25 and gosh, where else are you going to live? But back at home, or right. you know, you're struggling to make ends meet. And so I do think there's a lot of economic factors that are playing into this, uh, this idea that, yeah, we're 20-somethings are, are going back home. They're starting over, they're doing over, and they're trying to figure life out. And I've, I've been passionate about this time of life for over a decade now where I've been writing books and speaking to this season because I do think it's such an important yet hard season of life where there's a lot of amb- ambiguity, a lot of confusion, a lot of questioning, yeah. but also a lot of excitement as you're building the foundation of the rest of your life. So I, I want to help people build it well. Well, and I do want to just say, too, we're going to be talking so much about 20-year-olds, but even as a 35-year-old who doesn't have my act together at all, I glean so much from this. So thank you so much once again for writing this. What a great new resource. Well, thank you. So, yeah, and, and you're right. It, really, my books are for anybody that is going through some short, sort of change, that is going through transition. 
that is um, going through some, uh, maybe a rough season of life, uh, going through a breakup of sorts, whether it's from a job or relationship. It's really for people like that. So, I mean, you could be a teenager, you could be in your 60s and still pull a lot from, from this topic and from this book. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I confirm that wholeheartedly. I really do. Another thing that really segues with your first response was just almost the, we talk about epidemic so much and pandemic over the past year, but really the epidemic levels of anxiety and depression among 20-somethings as well. Is that something you really see? I mean, you deal so much uh, with so many great friends of this age group. Are you seeing that in real life? Yeah, I am, you know, and that's what the statistics are telling us. And, um, and I definitely think that's true. Uh, you know, we're seeing really catastrophic levels of uh, anxiety, depression, but also, you know, suicide attempts. Um, the fact that suicide is one of the leading causes of death for, for young people is, is heartbreaking. You know, and that's why this is such an important thing to discuss and talk about. And whether you're a parent, maybe you have a teenager, 20-something looking to encourage them, or you're a teenager, 20-something, you're 30-something yourself. Um, it is so important that we're talking about this because it is a hard season. And I think so many 20-somethings feel like they're all alone, that they're the only ones struggling. You know, so that's why I have lies in my new book, and I address these lies of I'm the only one struggling, or I'm a failure, or um, life is not turning out like it was supposed to. You know, these lies that we tell ourselves yes. that leads to more depression, anxiety, that leads to this feeling of isolation. We really got to break those lies apart. And that's exactly what you do in the resource, uh, 25 lies that 20-somethings need to stop believing, how to get unstuck and own your defining decade. From Mr. Paul Angoni, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and organizational consultant, it's just great to have you here, Paul. I just can't get over the fact that I'm talking to you. I, I feel so happy. <laughs> <laughs> a vice versa. The feelings are more than mutual, Ryan. You know, let's maybe just go ahead and take it head on. What do you think is the most threatening lie that you mentioned in your book? And why is it so important for 20-somethings to learn the truth? Yeah, I think we touched on it a little bit before, this idea of I'm the only one struggling or everybody is doing better than me. You know, I think one of the newest realities, obviously, for this generation is social media. And, and everybody's on social media, but especially for this generation that's really grown up on it. Uh, you know, we've probably talked about before, Ryan, that you, you used to have to go to your 10-year reunion to look everybody <laughs> up and down to see who's doing better than whom, right? Yes. And, and you just had to fake it for one night. Just rent the BMW, get a toupee, lose some weight, <laughs> like whatever it took, you could fake it for one night that you're doing amazing. Yes. Well, well, now the same phenomenon is playing out with every post, every day, uh, every interaction on social media. We're playing this game, and uh, it's exhausting, and it's not life-giving. And, and I think that is leading to some of these increases in anxiety, depression, because it looks like everybody is, is doing amazing. Everybody's successful, and uh, why can't I be as good-looking as them or as, or as skinny as them or as wealthy as them or whatever? And yet none of it's really true. And we all kind of know that, and yet we still get sucked into this game. So I think there's a lie of I'm the only one struggling and, and having this obsessive comparison disorder along with this obsessive connection disorder that we're obsessively connecting on our phone. We can't put our phone down for two seconds. And really, gosh, that, that's just 
sucking the life out of us when, when we're feeding ourselves constantly from our social media feed. I don't know if that's the best place to be getting our nourishment from every day. Well, let me just ask you, because you're somebody that has very compelling social media pages yourself. I, I can't tell you how much show prep I've just taken uh, from your social media feed. I do give you credit, though, Paul. I just want to say, when I quote you, I say Paul Angoni said this, and he said it beautifully. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but I mean, as somebody who's a practitioner, as somebody who experiences it the same way that we do, what are some of the, the antidotes? What are some of the prescriptions that you offer for using it well, but not using it in a way that just does depress us and leads to anxiety? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I, I used to have a professor in college, one of my favorite professors. He used to talk about what is authenticity. And he would talk about it being an inward and outward consistency. So, so what's inward and what's outward is consistent. It's congruent. But now I think we have to take, and I love that definition, but I think we have to take it one step further, that authenticity is an, an inward, outward, and online consistency. So, so really, it's trying to be the same person uh, inwardly, outwardly to people in your life, but also online, that you don't feel like you're playing some game or that you're feeling like, well, I'm just a hypocrite because online I'm creating this, this reality. And in my real world, I'm creating this reality and they're not congruent at all. Right. I think that's when that confusion and that anxiety starts to come in because you feel like you're, you're lying. You feel like you're lying to yourself. You feel like you're lying to friends. So I think it's always better if we can be authentic and congruent with our online selves and our inward selves. And the more that we're doing that, you know, I think the healthier we'll be. And then also, geez, we got to just cut out the amount of time that we're scrolling through. You know, if, if you're scrolling through, you know, I, I ask people all the time, you know, after 30 minutes of Instagram, do you ever leave that experience, put down your phone and think to yourself, wow, I feel so much better about my life. Uh. Like I feel, I feel excited. I feel, I feel ready to tackle my day. I want to tackle some new projects because wow. I just feel so enlivened. You know, I don't think any of us feel that way after 30 minutes of Instagram, you know, so maybe cut it down to, two minutes or three minutes of scrolling, catch yourself, put your phone down and then go do something. Call a friend or do a project or go out in the yard and dig a hole and make, you know, (laughs) something like that I feel like is more life giving now than 30 minutes on Instagram. So let's do more real life stuff. I'm really looking forward to all of the notes we're going to get from people who listened to this interview and went outside and dug huge holes in their yard. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you know, there, there could be, you could make a pool. Yes. Bury treasure. I mean, you could uh, plant a, a tomato plant. I mean, there's all kinds of applicable reasons for that hole, you know, that we could find. Now I'm craving tomatoes. Uh, this is <laughs> I love this digression. It's my favorite so far. Well, there's so many great, great pieces of insight and wisdom. Uh, let's attack it this way. Something that you wish you knew when you were in your 20s. Yeah, you know, I wish I knew, and, and we've probably talked about this before, Ryan, that I wish I knew that I wasn't a, that I wasn't a failure just because I was failing at certain things in my life and and failing at attempts to try different things in my career, or, you know, I'm exploring uh, different career fields or I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I'm in the process of figuring out, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And, And I think a lot of us realize that that process as we get older 
it takes our entire life. Like it doesn't just happen like a light bulb. A lot of it is a process that you grow into and you pivot and you adapt and, and you learn more as you go along the way. But for myself as a 25, 27, 30 year old or whatever, I always felt like I, I had missed my chance, you know, and, and I write about that in my book. I, I write about this lie of I missed my chance. And I tell the story and I'll try to tell it briefly of this musician who was a heavy metal musician and uh, he had his first album come out and it was a total flop. It was a total failure. And uh, I mean, the album cover of their, their album is literally him standing next to, to hunks of meat in a meat locker. And, and they're trying to be all hard, this hardcore heavy metal musicians. Well, fast forward and this musician decides to go to LA. He feels like he's living in exile. He starts playing the piano again, which was kind of his first love. While feeling like such a failure, feeling like he's missed his chance, trying to commit suicide a few times. I mean, it was really a tragic story. Thankfully, he wasn't successful in his attempt. He would write Piano Man, which became this musician, Billy Joel's first big hit. And, and Billy Joel, if anybody knows music, I mean, he's one of the top 10 best-selling artists of all time. Mm. Um, but we almost lost Billy Joel and, because he felt like he was a failed heavy metal musician. Instead, he was just in the process of figuring out that he was supposed to be a piano player all along. Um, he hadn't missed his chance. He was just growing into that. So I wish I would have realized that sooner in my life. And I want other people to realize that sooner too. Like just because you're failing doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you're in part of the process of figuring out what you need to do in your life. You know, and this is one of the most eloquent things I think that I've taken from your message over the years too. It is one thing I think to say it, right? When you fail, don't call yourself a failure. It's part of the process. But You've lived it yourself. I mean, this this is not just a cliche. This is not just something to make us feel better. This is the truth. Yeah, exactly. And this is where, really, where my passion and my purpose is is driven from is this idea of you know that I I felt like I was failing my entire twenties as I was getting you know rejected by every publisher around. You know, I went through nine years basically of trying to get a book published before it finally happened. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of rejection. There was a lot of dead ends, do-overs, crying out to God and saying, you know, God, where are you in this? What am I supposed to do? Am I on the right path? Am I just crazy? You know, all those questions that I was wrestling with, but, but that's why I'm so passionate about this too. Is, and, and I think that happens to a lot of us where we, we grow this passion and this purpose out of our personal pain and our personal problems that we've had to overcome. And that really becomes that catalyst of, of our secret sauce, uh, of, the way, of the redemption that we want to offer to the world. And that was the, definitely the case for me. So you're right. That, that's why I am so passionate about this, because I felt like such a failure my whole 20s. And that's why I want to continue this message to, to let everybody know you're not. Um, and maybe this, this, this pain and this problem you're going through is not a detour away from your purpose. Maybe it's actually head, headway. It's the exact path that's leading you towards your purpose. Mm. Uh, thank you for that so much. I love that. And just to know the arc of your story now, I go into Target and I'm surrounded by books and I see Paul Angoni and I'm like, I know him. He's my friend. I feel more important because of you, Paul. So thank you. <laughs> that was a wild experience. Yeah, getting to go into Target and, and having your kids find your book. Um, you know, that that's fun. You know, it's a fun experience, especially when you've experienced 10 years of publishers saying, there's no market for this. Right. Who are you to write this book? You know, all these lies that you believe for, for all of us, 
to see some of the fruition of it come true, it, it's an amazing feeling. Um, and, and I'm very blessed that, uh, of the opportunities and avenues that some of my books have, have gotten to go to. Uh, well, congratulations again. And it's such an important message. It really is. I just read yesterday. This is, this is really not super uh, integral to the conversation, but it just in terms of the critics aren't always right. I was just reading, uh, yesterday that in 1903, the New York times said that it was going to be one to 10 million years before man invented a machine that could fly. And then three months later, the Wright brothers made their first flight. So <laughs> the critics aren't always right, are they? <laughs> no, they're not. You're right. You're totally right about that. And and that's why you know, I think for a lot of us, if we would just hold back the critique a little bit and just ask ourselves, you know, what can I create to help alleviate this problem instead of just tearing everything down? Mm. Well, something's got to be built in its place. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to build a house with a wrecking ball. Um, so, so I wish most, more of us were focused on, okay, I do see a problem. I, I, what, what do I need to create? How do, how do I need to alleviate this problem that I see, whether it's in my office, my family, in the world? How do I become an answer instead of just another wrecking ball? I, I think we wow. have enough wrecking balls right now. Wow, that is beautifully said because you're right. The courage that it takes to criticize is so much less than the courage that it takes to create. That is real truth right there. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I just came up with it on the spot, so I'm <laughs> glad it hit, hit you well. So. Hey. No, I, do, I have thought about that a lot, no, I, and, and it is true. And, and, and it's easy to be a critic, especially online. Uh, that's mm. kind of all of our side jobs these days, it yeah. feels like. Man, oh man, oh man. The truth is being spoken today on the road. Mr. Paul Angoni is with us, the best-selling author, keynote speaker, and organizational consultant. The brand-newest book is called 25 Lies That 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck and Own Your Defining Decade. Available wherever fine books are sold. How about this for a claim? Mr. Paul Angoni says in his book, quote, happiness is overrated. <laughs> Paul. Kinda. I, I know I do want people to be happy, and I think the pursuit of happiness is making us a lot less happy. And and I write about this in the book. I put it under the lie of I deserve to be happy. And and I see a lot of us saying this nowadays, especially online. You know, and and, and what I see, what I what I've kind of understood from that phrase is typically I think people are saying I deserve to be happy. Right right after they're basically describing making some terrible life decisions. Uh, you know, I'm going to go on this trip. I'm going to go in credit card debt. I'm going to spend this $10,000 because I deserve to be happy. Mm. And so it typically means, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make these bad decisions, but I don't want anybody to call me on it. I don't want to be accountable basically because I want to be happy. And yet I, I think like a lot of us realize when we pursue this thing, this kind of self gratifying happiness, it, it usually leaves us less happy than when we started. And, and I even cite some different studies that that's much smarter people than I have done <laughs> where they've studied people that had a happiness goal uh, where they're saying, this was my goal to be happy. And they found that the people that had a happiness goal ended up being much less happy than the people that didn't have a happiness goal going into the study. And so I think we're seeing a lot more that that actually we find a lot more joy and contentment and, and purpose and meaning 
when we're pursuing something worthwhile, when we're pursuing serving others, when we're pursuing a project, when we're pursuing doing good work, that this actually brings out more quote unquote happiness than I'm going to go on this road trip because it's going to make me happy. And then I'll come back home and realize I'm more unhappy and I have more problems waiting for me than when I started because that didn't actually fix the happiness problem in my life. Wow. Man, there's freedom in that. Thank you for that, brother. Well, I want to take just a little bit of a detour, uh, sort of proverbially and literally, for just a moment because the popularity of your books, of course, here in the United States, very significant. Popular overseas to a pretty remarkable extent in some places as well. The country of Iran is a place where I understand bootleg copies of your books have become so famous and so well-regarded that there's actually a documentary being made about that popularity. This, I couldn't resist asking you about this. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, uh, no one's more shocked about this than, than myself, <laughs> Ryan, first of all. Um, I mean, honestly, it's a testament to, I mean, honestly, it's a testament to God and, and the work that he can do because I, I know nothing what it's like to grow up in Iran, obviously. I've mm-hmm. never been to Iran um, so to have books speak life, truth, and hope to to a country that I uh, that I knew nothing about, but they're my most passionate fans, and, and and the level of hope and encouragement that they're getting from the books is amazing. So it's a good reminder to me, you know, that um, that truth travels, so to speak. You know that, and, and obviously, I feel like it's God speaking through it. You know, I, I'm not talented, I'm not smart enough to make something like that happen. But God can spark fires where he wants fires to be sparked. Um, And I think he kind of takes our faithfulness, and then he makes things happen beyond our capability. And so that's been amazing to see, and and yeah, an amazing honor, really, to have uh, an Iranian filmmaker who's felt like his life was changed by my book want to make a documentary about me and my work. And uh, and so that's been, been an interesting, fun, humbling experience to see my books go to you know, other places like Russia and Iran and Thailand and India and Romania. Uh, it, it's really mind boggling and humbling uh, and a huge honor of mine. Well, and it really does speak to the universality of your message, doesn't it? I mean, that's the inescapable perspective as well that only God could have done it. And also that we're in this same boat together. So many of us. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, view some of this as like a, a, a millennial problem, a Gen Z problem here in America. It's kind of an entitled problem where we're asking questions about purpose and meaning and what do I want to do with my life? But, but really, I think, yeah, that we'll, we're seeing time and time again that this is not an American thing. This is a worldwide thing because everybody is looking for purpose. Everybody's looking for hope. Everybody's looking for a reason to live. And, and what's the bigger picture here? What's the, why am I here on this earth? Uh, and so I've been, I'm getting a lesson in that time and time again, as I'm speaking to people, uh, internationally and, uh, and again, just to see this kind of truth and hope reach them is, is an amazing experience. Man. Well, so well said. And also a portion of what you just said sounded like it could have been the lyrics of a Switchfoot song too. Like it just, I was waiting for the riff to begin, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in post-production, Ryan, you guys can yeah. add that in, you know, I've, I've never been one to uh, have the musical talent. So if you guys want to make that happen, that's fine by me. 
Oh, brother, what an absolute pleasure to be with you today. I can't believe how fast it's gone, but I should have believed how fast it's gone because every time we've talked to you, it's gone so fast, but it's been so fun, so much wisdom. Uh, The book, once again, is called 25 Lies That 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck and Own Your Defining Decade. Mr. Paul Angoni has been with us. Sir, I know all over the Fruited Plain you can find the book, but if there is a one-stop shop, where should we go first? Well, you know, for you, you can come to my website, allgrownup.com, and G-R-O-A-N, all grown up, like you're groaning in pain, <laughs> allgrownup.com. Yes. And if you just want to find some free chapters from my books, from this newest book, 25 Lies, from my older books, 101 Secrets to Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, you can get free chapters from all my books at All Grown Up. So if you just want to get a taste, see what it's like, uh, feel free to do that at All Grown Up at, before you uh, jump in with the $10 to, to buy the book, which which I hope you'll do after you read the chapters. Uh, yes, most definitely. The $10 leap for Paul Angoni is uh, more <laughs> than worth it. Sir, it is always just such a treat and such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for the time and keep up the great work, my friend. Hey, you as well, Ryan. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show again. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.